for joining us. Uh, I'm going to go right ahead and jump in because I feel like there's a lot that we have to cover. Um, This is a topic that's also very near and dear to my heart. And um, when I was sent your information, I immediately knew that it would be a great conversation to have on Real Talk with Bella. So welcome, Lamore, to Real Talk. Thank you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So before we get started, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about how you got to the work that you're doing today. I don't want to give too much away. I know that you are the founder of Bespoke Wellness. Um, You are a cognitive and and behavioral therapist. Uh, I see dialectal behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing. Um, You also are um, an eating disorder specialist, correct? Uh, Therapist, um, which is where... Um, believe it or not, a lot of our readers and followers and listeners um, tend to always tune in. I always say that it's unfortunate that still in my 40s, I struggle with what I believe mm-hmm. to be emotional eating. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate and it's sad. And uh, I'm always uh, looking to speak to uh experts and women like you who have been through it and have found ways to live uh, a more enjoyable life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also want to hear what, uh, you know, the karma method uh, that you develop is all about. But start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I am, you know, I myself struggled with eating disorders uh, since age 13. And I had anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, which is a very healthy way of eating and living. And after 10 years of, you know, struggling myself and going through school, I realized that really something was missing. And when I looked back on my recovery, I realized that there wasn't anything like specific. There wasn't a process to the therapy. I wasn't giving all these incredible skills that I've learned through Initially, I was in a master and PhD program, and then I got a second master's, and then I had my two-year postgraduate training in eating disorders. And with each, you know, education, with each client that I've worked with, I started practicing different skills and kind of putting all these skills within a process. And I've developed a therapeutic method that I call KARMA, and KARMA stands for knowledge and awareness, acceptance releasing the past, making meaning and authenticity. And within these steps, I weave in a lot of the different skills and tools that a lot of therapists for some reason don't use. Yeah. What do you think um, is the root of an eating disorder? I know, so there are several causes. There is no one cause. I mean, I have parents come to me and they say, oh, what did we do? We ruined our child. I mean, it's not the parents, it's not the environment, it's not, genetic, it's all of it together. I mean, 20% okay. of you know people have a very sensitive, so people that are more sensitive are more prone to have mental illness, specifically eating disorders. Uh, so it's the personality, the environment, uh, genetics, medical, co- I mean, so many different things that are you know taking part in why somebody might have an eating disorders. So you can't just point yeah. at one thing. 
<laughs> yeah, no, because I know that people try to like always like backtrack it to well, what causes mm-hmm. that, you know, what caused that or is, you know, why does binging occur? Um, I know that for me, uh, it's more an emotional trigger than it is anything else. And I still, mm-hmm. I, and I, I speak very candidly about that just because I know that that's also part of my healing is to be able mm-hmm. to call it out. Um, you mentioned something in the karma method that talks about awareness, right? Um, and it's mm-hmm, really yeah. trying to understand, okay, so why am I actually doing this and engaging in this behavior right now? What am I feeling? What, uh, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. it's interesting to really, uh, reiterate um, to our listeners who may be tuning in um, to understand that it's not just one thing, it could be multiple things. And um, being aware of the triggers or the environment, um, your personality are all factors that you should consider when trying to figure out, you know, why you're feeling a certain kind of way. Um, You spoke something about that hits home because I know you're a mother yourself. Obviously, I'm a mom. Uh, A lot of parents wonder if they are the ones who are breaking their children. And um, I know (laughs) I am guilty of that every single day. Oh my God, what did I do (laughs) to cause um, there's, you know, my oldest son is going through some health challenges right now. And I'm sitting here sometimes wondering what was it that I said? What was it that was done or we didn't do or, um, but I, but I will say that I think, and again, I can only speak for, speak to my own experience that eating disorders for me have always been about control. It is mm-hmm. the one thing that in a sense, right, I have control mm-hmm. over when I don't want to deal or I don't want to cope or pay attention to whatever else is going on, um, you know, in my life. But food, um, which soothes me or makes me feel better, I can and then I can indulge which, uh, with as much or as little as I want in this yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know what? You're bringing up such important points. I mean, the first one is for you as a parent or as a person to have the awareness of what is it that is happening to me, right? You wanna be able to help your kids, you wanna be able to help other people, but in order to do that, it's important to be open and honest. And I love that you were talking about your experiences. That's why I do the same thing. And people are always like, oh, but therapists don't share and they are not supposed to tell. It's not like I'm telling my life story to my patients during the session, but Mm -hmm. they know that I've struggled myself. I almost died from anorexia when I was 14 and I was sick for many years and I'm very open and honest about it. And I think the idea of like destigmatizing mental illness, specifically eating disorders, where it's the number five, you know, most common mental illness. I mean, it's one of the five common mental illness. I mean, people, I mean, 20% of people with anorexia might not survive. I mean, this is a very serious mental illness. And the fact that you know, people kind of have a lot of shame and, you know, embarrassment about talking about it doesn't help. But I I can see that people are talking about it more about, you know, like different bodies and being more open to have conversations around the topic, which I think is very helpful. What are um, some of the warning signs that, you know, parents may, um, who may be, you know, obviously observing their child behave or act in a certain way that we should look out for. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, I saw on your website that you obviously don't just treat the individual, but you also 
treat uh, families as a whole. And I want to touch on that because I feel like, um, and I think you're the first uh, professional that I've ever heard uh, refer to eating disorder as a mental illness, as opposed to just something that um, is kind of separate, right, from, um, you know, our well-being. It's just like another disease, but not a mental illness, which is important to, uh, to highlight. But, um, you know, it's not just the individual. You treat families mm -hmm. as a whole, and sometimes the problem or the root or the cause um, isn't just, isn't about the individual, but about the whole unit and the dynamic that is um, obviously not coexisting or working in favor of anyone's uh, mental mm -hmm. health. Yes, which is why I kind of fought to open Bespoke <laughs> Wellness Partners. And of course I opened a day before COVID and we're a group <laughs> of uh, 15 professionals. We have psychologists, dietitians, uh, yoga teachers. There is a medical doctor on staff. So basically what we do is we personalize the treatment for the individual and the family. And I love that you're saying that it's not about the individual because people always make the patient as the problem, but yes. it does take, you know, it's, it's the whole family. So we have a couple therapists, we have a family therapist, we have, you know, the, the siblings that are often hurting are also getting support. Yeah. So when, when you do that, you really get to the core of the issue and another very, very important thing is that the program that we have, the Karma Method, it's a 12-week program for the individual and the family. family where, well. you know, and, and the reason that it's 12 weeks is because it takes anywhere from 12 to 36 weeks to change a behavior. So mm -hmm. if we really, you know, like kind of give the clients a lot of the skills and tools and motivation, and then he's more invested and more committed and and also it's a very loving and like, you know, accepting environment. And I think there's a lot of negativity around eating disorders. So if you Google, which I'm sure you have, right? Eating disorder, emotional eating, there's so much negativity around it. And many people would say, oh, recovery is not possible, but that is not true. Like most people can and will recover. And I think if you have the mindset of, you know, oh, this is like, you know, nobody recovers from an eating disorder, then it's going to be a lot more challenging. So I think as a society, if we all kind of, you know, adopt this more positive attitude, and if you are getting the right help with the right licensed professional that specializes in this, you will be able to recover, fully recover. It's wonderful to hear you say that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I can't help but like associate, you know, the negativity that you're mentioning around eating disorders, because I feel like people, because they're, it's more of a visual, um, mm -hmm. you know, like you can pinpoint if someone is anorexic or if somebody is bulimic to a certain extent. Um, but I also think all of the stigma that surrounds uh, our eating, right, and our, our health habits, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's more kind of dismissive as like, oh no, this person is just obsessed with eating sweets or this person is just obsessed with looking thin. And, um, but really understanding the root and the causes of um, why this person feels the need to purge or to starve themselves or to use food as punishment or lack thereof, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because I know that I've, you know, myself said, you know, well, if I make it to Friday, you know, eating X, Y, Z, I'll indulge in, 
you know, the piece of cake or the ice cream or the X, Y, Z as if it were a prize. Um, but also, you know, consciously knowing that a lot of that stuff I can't even eat because it's just not good for me. So, um, but I'll do it anyway, because to me in my head, it's like my little uh, pick me up from, you know, keeping with eating X amount of calories for the, you know, the entire week. Mm -hmm. um, but there's obviously more rooted causes of this problem than, um, you know, many people are willing to talk about. And as you said, yes, people are talking about it more. Uh, however, you know, I know for like nine times out of 10, our children are struggling with um, these disorders and we're not really understanding why. Um, so that's where mm -hmm. professionals like you come in um, to help and support us. Yes, you're right. And it's not about like, you know, the food, it's not about the body. There is a cause, there is something that is deeper behind it. And I think that it's very important to you know, to, to kind of get to the core of what is really happening. And you, you know, you also brought up a very important, you know, point where with somebody who is anorexic or somebody who is, you know, the weight is very obvious, like you can say certain things, right? And it's easier yeah. to point and say, oh yeah, there is a problem. But yeah. so many people, like millions of people are struggling and you cannot say anything. So when I, yeah. When I was, you know, when I struggled with bulimia, nobody could tell that I was, you know, like I hated myself, I hated my body and I wanted to die. You know, this yeah. is like, you just look at somebody and you're like, oh, they seem like they look good. Like, why, why do they have an eating disorder? How is it possible? Yeah. 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 We, yeah which is back to your question about like red flags, right? That could be very yeah. challenging to identify. Yeah. But if you actually, if you're looking for these red flags, mm -hmm. you will find them, right? <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> that, could, that could start with, I know, I mean, you could start and, you know, yeah. by like skipping meals or making excuses, you know, excuses around food and why you don't want to eat, uh, being very restrictive. So a lot of people would become vegetarian or vegan or, you know, trying all the different diets that are out there where, you know, 99% of people who diet, you know, like diets don't work. I mean, that's yeah. like a fact and yet people continue to do it. Uh, and then some of these people also, you know, get very involved with food. So cooking, reading about food, social media around food, um, withdrawing from, you know, social activities, right? Because a lot of social activities are around food. Um, and another key uh, point is there, there, there is a persistent worry and complaining about, you know, being fat and talking about it and losing weight, which in our society, people are so used to doing it, right? Like you meet somebody and you talk about this one gained weight, this one lost weight, but certain people are very like almost obsessed about, you know, yeah. talking about it, like checking themselves in the mirror, pointing out the flaws, uh, over exercising. I mean, using laxatives, yeah. like going to the bathroom a lot, like, you know, I mean that and various mood swings, like going up and going down and sleeping a lot or not sleeping, just kind of like if you know somebody and you're, you know, and you're really kind of paying attention to what it is that they're doing, you'll be able to kind of notice certain things that they do, um, you know, that might indicate that there is an eating disorder. But I always recommend to, you know, ask to go to a professional and get fully, you know, evaluated and not just, you know, a lot of people use Google as their you know, psychologist to <laughs> diagnose this. No, for sure, as their go-to healthcare professional, um, yeah. for sure. 
Um, what are the, can I, you know, because obviously we're, we're coming out of, uh, you know, this two and a half year, um, kind of, you know, you know, sp not kind of, but space where we've either been, um, very much shielded and guarded, um, at home or within confined spaces and not really socializing as much as we were used to. What are some of the things that you have seen, um, you know, increase? Cause I know, uh, obviously mental health issues have obviously increased throughout this time, but what, what are some of the cases that you're seeing that you're treating and some of the signs that, um, I know for uh, a colleague of mine, um, coming back into the workforce became an issue. Um, and it was kind of like shell shock, like, oh my God, we're outside and oh my God, I'm around people. And I was just with a friend over the weekend and we were at a, uh, amusement park and she was still wearing a mask and I'm like but you do realize you're literally the only person here and I said listen no judgment but also know that things are getting safer and things you know and it becomes this constant worry what are some of the things that you've seen kind of like develop that you had not seen pre-COVID um, and some of the things that people can you know seek out help and support with at your practice yeah, so you mentioned one of the most important things is I feel like adjusting back to society for so many people, they're used to being in a closed space, in their comfort zone, and in that space, they have developed, right, certain behaviors, yeah. and, you know, they kind of got into their comfort zone, and now they have to get out to the real world, so there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and, uh, you know, the adjustment is very, very challenging for a lot of people, especially if they didn't experience any traumatic event previously, right? Like, yeah. so if, you know, if for certain people who, you know, for example, I, you know, like I was in a bus that the bus before me like got exploded. I served in the Israeli army. I was in a war in Israel. So, you know, I went through a lot of different challenges. So for me, it yeah. was just like, I continued working. I mean, of course it affected me, but you know, if somebody didn't experience anything like that, I mean, that is a really life-changing event and a lot of people I mean we have especially teenagers they're not going to school they're homeschooled and you know whether they have an eating disorder or they're cutting or they're you know addicted to any to anything else I mean this has really affected so many people uh, in a negative way in terms of mental illness so how can um, people learn more, connect with you? Uh, what can we reach out, um, seek out, you know, help and support from you? Uh, I know that there's a host of um, many things. I loved just kind of looking over through your site and just seeing that, again, it wasn't just um, one individual, but you also take care of everyone and their mother, right? Because at the end of the day, um, 9.5 times out of 10, uh, you know, the, the root and causes of whatever challenges we may be going through is um, the environment that we're living in. And if we are a family, it affects every single member of that family. Uh, but how can we learn more about the karma method? Seek out your help and support. Can you share with our listeners, please? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, if you go to our website um, and you can read about the karma, about the five steps, and whether you use, you know, like somebody from our practice or any other therapist, I think it's very, very important to know what type of modalities they use. And we are very eclectic. I mean, I'm, we're more like solution-based. So we use some, you know, psychodynamics, some CBT and DBT, and you can read about all these skills, but I really highly recommend that 
you know, you look through the different, you know, ways of helping individual. And also we have various therapists with different personalities and different skills. And what we do that I, that I believe is very unique is we personalize the treatment and the therapist to the individual. So if, for example, I'm getting, you know, like a patient who is more like quiet and more like closed and more, you know, like has, has a very hard time communicating, then I'm going to match him with somebody who can, you know, maybe get him to talk, who is more talkative, who is more, uh, you know, maybe uses alternative ways of helping him using art. We have an art therapist, a music therapist, a dance therapist. So once we find out what the individual likes, we use that strength to help them. Um, and then, you know, depending on what they have, I mean, they can just see a therapist or if they have, you know, something a little bit more complicated, we will uh, match them with a meditation coach and a dietitian. And we basically create a treatment plan that we then present to the individual and the family and we start the process. That's amazing. How can, um, one, one of the recommendations that I would like for you to give anybody who may be listening to, because I know that this all sounds wonderful for someone like me. You know, I've been in out, out of therapy uh, for practically the better part of my life because I understand the value and I understand how beneficial it's been, not just for me, but for my entire family. Mm -hmm. But for someone who may still be feeling some sort of resistance or, um, even thinking that, you know, considering the fact that they might have some sort of mental health, again, like I said, you know, to, to acknowledge that you have an eating, eating disorder, but then to actually equate that to a mental illness, maybe something that people be, are like, whoa, okay, maybe I need to be looking at this um, through a different lens and get the help and support that I need, you know, from these hair, because nine times out of 10, you know, growing up where I grew up, when you had an eating disorder, you went to an endocrinologist and an endocrinologist is only going to continue yeah. to give you, yeah. you know, a healthy, you know, meal plan. And that is not what you need. So for someone who may be resistant, um, to, you know, even just considering what this could do for them, what would you say? to them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think be very curious. I mean, I think yeah. just having an open mind and not having the shame and embarrassment that is associated with that, you know, like read about the specific disorders. There's certain criteria that, you know, like if you are restricting, if you are binging and purging, you know, like you can learn so much about it. And just, I feel like just by being curious and having an open mind, you can find out so much about what is it that you're experiencing. Because for most people, they end up in the reactive mode where yeah. if they're feeling stressed or anxious, they will resort to a behavior, right? But if you move from a reactive mode to a more responsive and curious mode, then you are you know, look, you know, very curious about your experience and what is it that I'm feeling, right? Without the judgment, without the negativity that is associated with it. And then, it's, it's a lot more beneficial for the individual and for our society as a whole. Yeah. I personally commend you for having been able to overcome, you know, all of the challenges that you have um, and then turning that 
into something that is of service to others. I mean, ultimately, that is what we hope our life turns into, right? That the pain and the agony that we endured can be of service to someone else and be of help and support. So congratulations to you on getting to a place where you can um, own the power that lies in your story, right? In your journey. So thank you uh, for, you. for that. And thank you for being with, with us today and sharing your story and the resources, because I know they will be super helpful to anyone who listens. Um, yes. Before we go, just share with us where everybody can find you and your practice one more time. Thank you so much. So we're located in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. And if you just either Google Limor Weinstein or Bespoke Wellness Partners, uh, you'll be able to get to our website and you can email me if you have any questions. I mean, our phone number is also on the website and it's been a pleasure, you know, being here and thank you so much. Thank you as well. Thank you.